everybody, and welcome back to the Rogue Agronomist Podcast. Kyle from Stall Agronomy. And today we had a guest. Our guest is Marky Echocamp from Farm Journal Media, who is the editor of The Scoop magazine and The Scoop podcast, along with working with Machinery Pete and a guest host on AgriTalk. So join me and Marky as we talk about different topics, including social media, our favorite bands, and some other topics that uh, I didn't plan on being in this podcast, but they went really well. So enjoy as Margie and I talk about all these things and more. So I'm here with Margie Echelkamp, uh, who I've met through Twitter, I don't know, a few years ago. We did an article together that's on my wall in my office, and she's on video, so she's probably really uncomfortable. You're used to talking for radio, and I'm, I'm, I've got a face for radio. So so Margie's here, and she's got off the AgriTalk podcast, or well, yeah, podcast or radio show, whatever it is. Um, so Chip both, took Kyle, you're right both ways. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, so Emily works for Pioneer in Wisconsin, so I get to see her every once in a while. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And she just followed me on Twitter a couple of days ago. So I guess that's my big deal. So, so what do you do at Farm Journal, Margie? I mean, I'm sure there's not going to be a lot of people that recognize your name. I don't think anybody knows who you are when I said who I was talking to today. So you might want to explain what you do. That's awesome. Hey, I like flying under the radar. You know, <laughs> that can have its pros and cons. And uh, yeah, so I'm Margie Echelkamp. I've been at Farm Journal working on 15 years, uh, had a couple different roles within the company, but all of them have been centered on agronomy, technology, and machinery. So for the first number of years I was with the company, I helped run our Farm Journal test plots. Um, I also was one of the organizing forces behind our corn college series of events. And uh, that got spun off into corn college TV. So, you know, we have a small, but very loyal fan base of corn college TV and then uh, hopped over. And for a few years worked on our machinery peat business uh, after that became a bigger part of farm journal. And then about five years ago, hopped back on the reporting and what we call editorial content side with our brand that serves ag retail crop consultants and farm managers, which is today known as The Scoop. Okay. Yeah, I actually had a chance to talk to Greg a few times. He's actually a really interesting guy. Uh, we have a couple of people in Wisconsin that are very uh, eclectic well, equipment dealers or collectors. <laughs> So he's been very interested. He usually really likes, if I can find a low hour tractor, Greg gets really excited. So I, that's always my one way of getting Greg to respond to me on Twitter is like, I found this tractor with a hundred hours on it. And he gets super duper excited. He that's loves his, a good barn find. Yeah, pretty much. I mean that he had a 4960 a couple of years ago. I got really excited about that had what, 25 hours on it. So, so ag pro is where we've met. Um, we've talked, I don't know, once or twice a year for the last few years, and we never really do much with it other than the one article we were in. Um, I guess we've talked the other day a little bit about kind of what social media is doing and, and how what direction it's going. And I, I've used social media to kind of gain some, uh, I don't know, gain a lot of relationships in the industry. But I think there's a lot of people that think that that's, I don't know, the value of that's somewhat diminished than what you know, I can build customer relationships on social media. I can, I can put out a podcast really easily. I mean, 
we're doing this in my office and you're sitting, I don't know where, but <laughs> somewhere with no, nothing on the wall. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> so I've been, oh, I, I started the trend. Okay. Of work remote. Okay. I've been a work from home person for five years, um, made the transition. I'm quite the extrovert. And so when I started working from home, quite honestly, my husband was really worried about me. He's like, be okay. But I tell you what, I love it. And I think a lot of people have discovered the benefits of working remotely in the last year. No doubt. It's hard. It's different. It is not the same as reporting to an office every day. But um, yes, no, I don't have anything on these walls behind me, but over there is my brag board, as somebody called it. They're like, you've got really cool stuff. I'm like, I ain't there's no need for everybody to see behind my head. Yeah, I don't. You know Damian Mason, right? I've heard him speak before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I did uh, when the pandemic started. Uh, Damian had a group where a bunch of business owners like me got together, and we would talk every week. And I have all this stuff behind me, so I have a few awards and things that just over the years I've collected. And it wasn't really. Uh, it's just the wall that I put the stuff on, and this happens to be the wall that it faces my camera, at least. So yeah, he's just like, oh, Kyle's the employee of the month again. And just giving me a bunch of crap about it pretty much the whole time we were talking. Um, but if you know Damien I mean, I'll at all. I'll shift that's... my camera, friend. I mean, <laughs> no, I fine. read books. <laughs> I have awards, you know. Well, mine are all too local, though. So mine aren't as probably proliferous as yours are. No, I wouldn't say that. But no, so you were talking about social. And you brought yeah. up Emily Flory earlier. I think the world is best when the world is small, right? And yep. I love making those connections, meeting people who we might know the same people or finding common ground that we can launch a conversation from. I just, I love when the world is small. And I think social has the power to do that in a lot of ways. I mean, that's how you and I got connected, uh, especially, I think, Friend, I think that was right after I hopped back and started reporting on ag retail. And and frankly, I was looking for somebody who could talk about nuts and bolts agronomy, right? Yeah, I'm pretty basic. (laughs) You were doing that on Twitter. I mean, you (laughs) stood out in that way. Yeah, I mean, so I'm writing a newsletter. And last night I I was writing on it about how I've turned to this ag retail insider in a lot of circles. And I'm like, that's not entirely what my goal is. Um, but there are things that I learned in the ag retail world that's helped me do what I'm doing and how to kind of navigate some of this. But it, it's not my goal to put down retail at all. Um, and back to like social, I've had my goal this year, you know, we always make uh, like a New Year's resolution. Everybody does those. Nobody falls through on them. And this year, my New Year's resolution was to, to extend my network a little bit and reach out to people, um, which is why we're talking. I, I kind of just sent you a message one day and I said, you have a podcast? Who knew? And I, I've done that. I'll with- pretend I wasn't offended. <laughs> so I, I have done that with a few other people. One of them led to a, a large new consulting client that I've got. Um, another one, I reached out to a couple other people 
Um, it's led to some trials we want to try this year and That's cool. tr- just trying to do that and, and utilize social media for more than what it is. Um, I was talking to somebody about their upcoming podcast who he pretty much told me to swear to secrecy, but he was on another person's podcast who's way more famous than I am. Um, we were talking about that the other day and it's, um, it's interesting just to have people reaching out and, and getting phone calls from people that everybody knows and on Twitter, they're very well, Twitter famous, uh, for lack of a better term. But it, it's been interesting to have that network that I would never have had just talking to people in Wisconsin and, and going to just local trade shows. So, I mean, social media, I think, really has a big role. It's led to my network getting a lot bigger. You know, if somebody wants to know what happened to the Doe Ratio in Iowa last year, I'll, well, I, I have friends in Iowa. I'll just call them up. You know, it's it's different than what it used to be back when, you know, you just heard hearsay all the time. So there's still a fair amount of hearsay. Oh, yeah. There's coffee shops still. <laughs> Most of them are but I know. Shops so, gas stations now. But yeah. So you were you were kind of talking about the bigger umbrella term social media. So I'm curious, what do you group under the term social media and what do you use? So for me, like for social media, for me, I know like YouTube and and even like TikTok, Snapchat, that stuff falls underneath there. For me, I don't I don't feel like YouTube is part of that. YouTube is more of a like a broadcasting channel. I mean, you, you're not going to put things on there for people to interact with you as much as you would if you posted that video to Facebook. There's a reason why we put a video on YouTube and then you post it to Facebook or Twitter. That's where you want people to interact and ask questions nobody really does that much on YouTube. Um, you know, if, if I ask millennial farmer something on his YouTube channel, I don't think he's going to respond. You know, I don't think Zach's really too big into that. Well, I mean, he gets like a thousand questions on every video. (laughs) I don't know how he can respond, but for me, I think social media is where I have a direct interaction with somebody. Um, I mean, that's the whole thing. Social, um, TikTok. I, I don't know what you guys, your thoughts are on TikTok. TikTok to me is so new. I'm, I'm I have a, a profile and an account. I haven't posted anything. I've thought of some ideas. I don't think they're funny enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I did one. My wife goes, "What are you trying to do that?" <laughs> so it hasn't posted yet. So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure where TikTok's going to hit live. It is really interesting if you ever look at it. So. I, I just don't know yet. So where do you put in discussion boards? Cause I know you are at least active on one. Yeah. I, yeah. That one, I, I kind of have to be, but it, I pull more like bad things off there than, than what I actually gain from it. Sometimes it used to be a lot better than what it is now. Um, I think that is, if you look at the people that are on that, it's almost, the same people every time responding to every post um, yeah. you're not getting a lot of different information. And if you're different or you have a different viewpoint, you kind of get shunned because you're not following the status quo on those. So it, it seems like you get the regular characters on them and then that's, you're not really getting a lot of different ideas. And then when you have a different idea, they, they kind of shun it and nobody wants to agree with what you're doing because you're, you're not a farmer or you're, you're representing a company or you have a CCA next to your name that that means you're not a farmer and you shouldn't be on here. So that's been the struggle I have at least with 
ag talk. <laughs> we could say which one it is. I think it's, um, I mean, you even brought up, for example, TikTok. Now there's Clubhouse as a new social media. You saw it Clubhouse? I don't even know what that is. Oh, wow. So it's like, um, the, the, I have not been on Clubhouse, so just full disclosure, but what I have heard and read about it, it's like social media conference calls. So everybody, you can form a Clubhouse room and you, it's just pure audio platform. And then everybody's just on the phone together talking. Okay. We used to do that when I was a kid. We had party lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything old is new again, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that would be interesting. I don't know. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I, I struggle. I could have an account on every single thing that everybody's looking at. And you could try to be good at all of them. But I, I think for me, Twitter is where I kind of focus some a lot of things. I know I'm slacking on my YouTube presence, uh, podcasting. I'm apparently doing an all right. Um, but like Snapchat, uh, TikTok might be something that I need to get into. But, you know, if I'm looking at my target demographic, a lot of those people are on Facebook. And I just, I don't know, the, the social interaction on like a business page on Facebook is people are just looking for you and looking for your contact information to make sure you're actively posting. It's pretty much what I get from it. And the only people that like my posts are family members and, and people I know. So it's not, I have a lot of people that like my page, but you know, my interactions is always my family and my grandma always has to make a comment about every post. So yeah. A I, small but mighty fan base on Facebook. <laughs> no shame in that. Hey, have you ever played much on Reddit? Yeah, I'm on Reddit a little bit. Um, Reddit is... If I'm looking for some information on something, it seems like Reddit is a pretty good community to find that. That's not ag related. I don't think there's much for ag on Reddit. I guess I haven't really looked for much. Um, most of it's been technology and um, mechanics, like basically automotive stuff or equipment stuff. Um, but I haven't looked for much for agronomy topics on it. I would say there's a there's been some like. AMAs around GMOs and biotechnology and that sort of thing. But when it comes to, you know, NPK, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I can imagine people asking questions about um, what we were even talking about today when I was on a webinar, like molybdenum or maybe copper and zinc and sulfate. And yeah, nobody would want to know. They just want to know what fertilizer to go buy at, at uh, Menards to put on their plants to make them grow. There you go. There you go. So I feel like we've talked a ton about social media. Do you have any questions for me when it comes to some of the more even traditional, whether it be print or broadcast or, or even just our own websites within Farm Journal? So AgPro is, is kind of, you've gone more digital with that, haven't you, in the last couple of years? Because that used to be so, the magazine that went out to me when I was in retail. I don't get it anymore. So I guess I'm not important. Well, look at you. I've sent you <laughs> link to get on our surplus. You definitely qualify. So, yep. so an interesting, I mean, everybody's got their own COVID pandemic story, right? But 
the nine months leading up to the pandemic, we did a ton of research and background to rebrand and relaunch AgPro, as you knew it and been featured in, to be known as The Scoop. And so same, same, um, same audience, different approach. Um, we are still a magazine. We go out several times a year. And then we do have our website, thedailyscoop.com. We have e-newsletters that go out Monday through Saturday every day. And then obviously also social media. Um, I'm regularly on AgriTalk every Wednesday. I do kind of a two minute, two and a half minute ag retail update. And then this past Wednesday, I got to guest host while Chip was away for a few days. Yeah, I got to listen for a little bit. Um, luckily, I have Sirius and Bolt trucks. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's Margie's day. And then I listened for about 30 minutes. And then Brian and Darren came on. I was like, all right, we're changing the channel. Did I ask smart questions, Kyle? Um. Because it was the farmer forum or whatever. So it was. I was somewhat paying attention. And then I think I had phone. I, I'm a busy enough guy. So I usually get, I try to listen. To, the only time I get a chance to really listen to podcasts is on weekends when I'm just either driving and no one's calling me for stuff. We've been talking right. for what, 15 minutes. And I've had four calls and I've got three voicemails. So <laughs> it's a typical oh. morning for me. Thank you for letting me consume your time, but I <laughs> a good point. And so we have some studies and research to, to that we look at every year that kind of give us the metrics, but you talk about how you're multitasking in your role in agriculture. Farmers and retailers are doing the same thing. Um, they're still consuming and using our print products, our magazines, but they're also going to our websites, reading our newsletters, finding our articles on social media, listening to our podcasts, listening to our radio programs, watching our TV programs, whether DVR'd or not, right? And as my colleague Clinton Griffiths says, he's like, they're not dropping one ball to pick up another. They're just adding more balls and juggling them, mm -hmm. um, which is fun for us because we can think about, okay, so I have a story on name a topic. <laughs> and I can think about how do I report that on all those different platforms to keep that, that story, whatever that takeaway is, whatever that nugget is, as most appealing to the audience and most engaging. So it's just more tools in our toolbox too. Yeah. And I, I did a podcast episode about a year ago. Um, so my struggle with retail in the last few years, I had a position where I was not in charge of social media for a large retailer, but I was contributing significantly to it. I was doing videos and we actually had our own podcast. Uh, when I left, they basically ended all that. Um, and the, the title of that podcast episode was, but we have a Facebook page. And, and a lot of these retailers, and I, what I struggle with as well was they're viewing social media as to something that they kind of have to do. Um, it's not valuable content. They're just always talking about, we bought a new sprayer or we added this or we did that, or we're using this technology. Um, it, a lot of them, it's just a sounding board where they basically take, uh, you know, if they're a GrowMark uh, related co-op, they're pulling a GrowMark thing and putting it on their Facebook page or Helena, whatever, you, you name it. 
Um, so the, the value of social media is, is always going to be, and it's the same thing with marketing. You, know, you kind of know how that goes. I, I struggle with marketing because you can never, I'm not directly selling a product. So when I'm trying to market myself, you know, I'm going to put window wraps in the back of my truck. Am I going to be able to assign a metric to the fact that I put window wraps in the back of my trucks that shows what I got out of that? You know, did I get my return on my investment? Um, my wife always struggles with that. She's like, why are you spending money on this? And I'm like, cause I, I think it's worth it. Um, and that's what I run into with retail. I, I know in retail, it's, it's still kind of old school. It's difficult for them to see the value to social media and having a presence. And I, I think it's, it's really important, but a lot of them struggle with that. And I even have people within that. I still do some business dealings with that wonder why I'm doing as much as what I'm doing. Um, and then I talked to somebody else who wants to sponsor our podcast and apparently I'm doing something right. And I've had approaches for sponsorships. I keep turning them down because I'm the rogue agronomist and it'd be really weird if I took sponsors on, but I, I think that there's a value there, but a lot of people aren't seeing that. <laughs> Margie's laughing, but she's on mute, I think. So no, I'm not muted. Ah. I actually just laugh silently. <laughs> Okay, now so you're making me had, laugh because you're had, laughing silently. Yeah, well, there you go. That's also funny. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a retailer in the last year about how they use social media. And they said one of the biggest benefits they've seen to being active on Twitter is they always post when they have job openings. And they've seen a ton of activity and have had great success with hires from posting on Twitter about those job opportunities. And I had always seen that this particular cooperative had always been posting about these, you know, we need a truck driver, we need a location manager, what have you. And I'm like, is that working? And then sure enough, it's working. Um, so I think there are retailers who are putting a keen eye, but to your story, Kyle, I think it does take somebody who wants to care about it to be able to do that cost benefit analysis and have that consistency because social media takes consistency. It's no different than podcasting, right? Yep. Like if you were going to say, I mean, you've been doing this podcast now for what, two or three years, three years almost. Yeah. Yeah. So if you would have said, Oh, I'll put out, you know, I put out six episodes a year ago. I mean, golf clap, you know, it takes, <laughs> you have to have some kind of consistency. Um, same thing with the magazine, right? And and I think some folks have thought that putting together a magazine would be easy and it's actually kind of hard. Um, and it's hard to do it month after month, year after year. <laughs> well, I, I definitely know that. I, I write a newsletter every two weeks to consulting clients and our seed customers. And uh, I think I was working on this one for the last two days. Um, I've been working on it sporadically as I have ideas or I, I think about things and I can work on it, um, right. which is like the thing that people, when I say that I've been working on something for a week, they're like, oh, you've been working on it for a whole week. No, I've been working on it throughout the week as I have time. Um, so no, I, I've been working on this newsletter and I always hit writer's blocks. Last night I was in the middle of writing a paragraph. And I just went, that's it. I'm going to bed because I can't think of what I'm going to write next. Um, and then 10 minutes from now, I'll, I'll bang it out and we'll, we'll send it out today, hopefully. But um, 
Yeah, I can fully so understand. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who can't have creativity on demand. Okay. Well, like it's not that simple <laughs> <laughs> to be able to just snap your fingers and create content or snap your fingers and write a cover story, right. Or, or write your newsletter. It, yep. It's um, at least for, for you and I, um, you have to do it when it strikes and you also have to figure out how you can, what's your shortcuts to be able to get back into that mode. Right. Yeah. For me, turning off email. Like I have to turn off my email. So my struggle and she can't hear me right now. So thankfully my wife's working at home. She's been at home for a year. So I've been working with my spouse for the last year, which has been strange. Never had that before, but in the past, I've always literally, she, her desk is the floor directly below mine. And there is a massive subwoofer sitting on the floor right below my desk that uh, usually is bumping pretty loud about now where I'd be watching or working on something. So she's, she's definitely suppressed a little bit of my, uh, my willingness to want to get stuff done. So now I've, I've got more headphones and stuff, but I used to just have like music banging. Um, there was a drum set in my office that I used to have. That's now in the basement. So I've, I've messed up on that. So it's been a, a difficult time to adjust. I'm finally just kind of getting used to it. Um, and then as things are going to start opening up, she'll probably go back to work and then I'll have to go back to just ticking off the neighbors all the time. But all right. So what's your like creative music of choice? Um, I'm a very eclectic person. I think I was talking to Matt Swanson the other day because Matt said something about he was listening to a TI album. And I was like, well, I'm actually partial to Urban Legend. And he has a couple different ones he was listening to. And um, it's nice to see some people that love 2000s hip hop because that's what I grew up on. I was in the car culture in the 2000s. We had Fast and Furious. Um, the very eclectic thing I really like, uh, there's a Russian band that I really enjoy uh, called Leningrad. You probably never heard of Leningrad. I have. Okay. So I listen to them, have all their albums. Um, they're actually really good. I'd, I'd love to see them in concert. Um, and my favorite band is actually Cake. If you ever heard of Cake. Yes. And they came to Milwaukee. Multiple Cake records. I have every one of them. I've listened to them. Since really? I was in, oh, yeah. And I, we saw them in concert two years ago. They came to Milwaukee. Um, they actually used to come every New Year's Eve to Milwaukee. Um, but two years ago, they were here in August uh, with Ben Folds which I'm never really heard of anything outside of brick with Ben folds. Oh, Oh, they're well, our son was singing. I will survive the other night, okay. but much more akin to the cake version. <laughs> so version. And I like snapped right back to listening to all that cake music. It's like, Oh my gosh, I need to like feel that back. Listen yeah. to it. They haven't put out. I think they put out a new song. Um, two or three years ago. And that's been it. And there's nothing since I think like 2014, which really stinks, but that was my favorite band growing up. I have an autograph poster, a bunch of stuff. And yeah, that's my, my one guilty pleasure has been Leningrad and cake. So if I listen to something really loud, it's usually one of those two. And I have some okay, customers. I, I feel like this is semi adjacent. Okay. <laughs> and we are officially losing all your listeners. So I apologize. Have you ever heard of G-Love and the Special Sauce? Yes. Uh, I discovered G-Love and Special Sauce in college. And uh, I-76 is a, a great song. Milk and Cereal was my introduction to G-Love and Special Sauce. I have a picture. 
signed concert poster. Nice. And like when I think of like nostalgic, like that era music, it's G Love for me. Sure. Yeah, I um I could almost play you some that's on my phone right now. Uh, that's awesome. My uh, the guy that I I work with on his farm, um, he's a big '80s rocker kind of guy. Uh, plays guitar. He's got a drum set and guitars in the shop. Um, he really really loves like '80s hair band, uh, '80s metal stuff. So he uh, he really chives with me because he's about three years younger than my dad, and my dad brought me up on like the cars and you name it, like all these Duran Duran, um, a bunch of different bands. When I was a kid, Genesis was a big one when I was a kid that I loved. Um, so he just, he loves the fact that I'm 36 years old and I absolutely love eighties music and I can name pretty much every album and sing along to every song. So he is, he loves that. And I, so yeah, it's, I listen to like everything, eighties, nineties, two thousands, um, rap hip-hop uh foreign stuff <laughs> sometimes i listen to rammstein uh <laughs> my funniest rammstein story was i worked with a co-worker and we were uh across the hall from each other in offices and he said put some rammstein on i want to like you know work to rammstein so at like four o'clock on a friday we're listening to rammstein and the guy down the hall who's really close to retiring slams his door shut and I said, I'm sorry about, you know, our music being so loud. And he goes, that's not music. <laughs> See, these are the fun interactions that we now all miss, all working remote, or mostly, I should say, working remote, right? It's all those uh, political landmines of being in an office together. Yeah, I, you know, I missed, I miss retail sometimes. But then when I look at my retail day in winter, uh, I told my wife I'm so much more um productive in winter working from home and she goes how is that i said well we come into the office at 7 30 we'd stand around and drink coffee till nine o'clock shooting the craft pretty much um i said oh, we work for maybe a couple hours and then about 10 30 11 o'clock we're trying to figure out where we're going to go for lunch for an hour and then we go to lunch for an hour and then we come back and we then we actually work for maybe an hour or two and then we go out in the shop and shoot the crap again for another hour until we went home and I was like, that was a typical winter day for a lot of retail locations I worked at. Um, now that I'm working from home, I'm up at seven o'clock and I can be in my office at seven 30 or I can right. be up at six working out. And so I'm definitely way more productive. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, but I don't have those social interactions that are, you know, what our favorite color was or how upset we are with our boss or whatever it was that day. So, so what do you think? So when you first, started your consulting business, what do you think is the most different today than what you thought it was going to be like when you got started? I thought it was going to be a lot harder than it is. How so? Um, so I basically went from people buying the products that they are going to buy no matter what from me and then me providing a service to them that I did that apparently was above and beyond what normal people would do. Um, so I went to from providing that service for free to saying, hey, I'm on my own now, uh, pay me for it. And I thought it was going to be really difficult. <laughs> so that's why, I mean, we sell seeds. Seeds a very big part of our business. Um, I would say right now it's almost getting to be 50 and 50 where consulting is half and seed is half. Um, 
so I, without that seed part, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without my wife having health insurance. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Um, but as the years have progressed, I have a lot of people that are seeking out information and seeking out help and realizing that not every retailer was like me. Uh, I had a lot of guys that, you know, if I wanted to go back to retail, I could, um, I have any company that would be hopefully willing to have me because I got so many people asking me to go back because they want me back in retail because they don't get the service they did when I was there. Um, but yeah, I, I'd never thought I knew people would pay for it. I just didn't know as many people would pay for it as are willing to right now. And, um, even last year when the grain prices were junk pretty much for most of the year, we had a really good following. Um, yeah, it's even my wife said that. I think I, I put that on a podcast or we actually wrote it in the newsletter um, about six months ago. Megan says, I'm so happy that you're doing well because I never thought anybody would ever pay you for this. <laughs> so literally, I just I quit my job, didn't get paid for six months, um, bought a bunch of things that I, I, need, I thought I needed. And I went from not making or not knowing if I'd actually have an income in two years to uh, we're trying to figure out if we need to purchase some land to build a building and we're trying to figure all that stuff out right now, or if we should sell our house and, and buy some land and build a house. And it's, uh, it's been kind of a, a nuts adventure in the last year or so. It's been crazy getting bigger and bigger. No, I think it's a great story, Kyle. We should say too that. So part of why I'm on your podcast is you're going to come on my podcast too. Yep. So folks can stay tuned for that. I don't mean to keep asking you all these questions, but it's <laughs> mode. I just can't help it. I'm a reporter. I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> well, and you asked me, you said, um, so we talked about this. You said, why are some of your podcast episodes 15 minutes? And some of them are like an hour and a half. And I said, well, some of those are just those long conversations we have. And sometimes it's just, it's, it's a natural conversation. I mean, it's, it's somebody that I've never met before. Michael McCamick was on. I've never really talked to Michael McCamick outside of I've heard his voice on a video a couple of times. Um, so we put him on a podcast and he was really reluctant to do it, but it was just a natural conversation. And that's, I've had a lot of people, even when I worked in retail and we had a podcast, um, I had a lot of people that were really reluctant about being on it, which I used to be really reluctant about being on zoom, which pandemic has changed. Um, but for whatever reason, I've been able to make people comfortable with talking to me and being on a microphone or being on video. Um, I have that voice. I, I had somebody tell me that the other day, like, you just have that, that voice for radio. And I'm like, well, that's great. Thanks for telling me I look ugly, but uh, no, I, I definitely, I know I need to work on my likes and ums. When I do my own podcast, I, I say um too much, which I can edit out quite a bit. So I try to, but uh, some of, some of the time I, I blend that in, but it's, I've worked on that, but I do have, for whatever reason, I don't have the Max Armstrong voice, uh, sadly, but I do have my well, own I specific think, voice. You know, I, I, well, this speaks to what our conversation earlier, which is it's fun to think about all the different formats, right? And what you can do with them and what you can do with all those mediums. And at the same time, anytime you do anything creative, you're going to be critical, right? You're <laughs> going to think that you could do something a little better. And I mean, I'll share. So two things. Um, and remind me, I had a second one. When I, 
for my ramble. But the first one, and I'm going to hold myself, I'm going to say it on your podcast so I will make it come true, is that I don't have a sign-off for our podcast. And I'm like, I really need to come up with that. And I listened to a podcast for a while that just had such a fun, lighthearted, quirky sign-off. And I'm like, golly, I need to think about how I could make that work for me. And I just haven't, honestly, I haven't segmented the time to really iterate on it and what that could be. <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever listen to Paul Harvey, his sign-off? Yes. <laughs> it's so awkward with the way he used to do it. Good day. <laughs> Like, like he was asking a question every time. But iconic. I mean, I don't have a problem being yeah. awkward. I'm iconic. <laughs> yeah, you're not quite Paul Harvey. Neither am I. So No, we are. <laughs> we are. But then to the second point. So I joke that I can't tell you how many panels. So I've moderated panels at live events before. I used to, I mean, obviously I used to host Corn College, which was a huge event. I, I mean, that was always part of my job. I, I really love that part. I, um, I love interacting with people in that way. Obviously 2020 had different cards in play for all of us. I can't tell you how many virtual meetings I helped moderate or panels I helped facilitate. I'm like, holy moly. Um, and I don't think I ever turned anybody down, but it was coming close to it. Cause I'm like, this is just taking up. I mean, I did one so after AgriTalk on Wednesday morning, I hosted a panel that afternoon, which is cool because I don't have to travel for those anymore and I can do them here at my home office and that's fine. But you host those panels and you, whether it's live or online, whether it's live or, vir- or in person or virtual, you always feel like you could have asked a question better or you always feel like you could have engaged one or two of the panelists more. And so I I guess what I'm saying in support, Kyle, of you continuing to try to hit the bullseye here with your podcast is you're always going to feel like you could get closer to that red dot, right? Yeah. I, I do that with sales too. Um, and that's there you why, go. so we, uh, I've been in sales calls where it's just me. There's, there's often times where you'll get in the truck and you're like, Oh, why didn't I ask this guy that? Or why didn't I question this? Uh, why didn't I bring this up? And uh, I, it really helps when you have another person to kind of work with you on that. And I've had that in the past where you go on a sales call and somebody somebody brings up something you had no clue that you, they pick up on something that you didn't see happening and the other guy sees it. And But yeah, I... I don't know. I'm always critical of myself. I think everybody is, at least if you're successful, you're always going to be critical of what you're doing. Um, I don't know. I, I stopped, uh, when I worked in retail, I was always critical. I would second guess myself a lot. Uh, yeah. I really realized after a while that the best thing you can do is be decisive. And <clears throat> it was better to be doing something rather than just sitting around and doing nothing. Um, I did that with applicators. I would just when I come in, in the morning, if I didn't have fields I knew were dry in the area I want them to go in, we just sent them out. We had to go, here's where you guys are going to go. We know this field's dry. Get there, just start working. Um, and I've been doing that a little bit more with my business. There's there's a lot of times, and I don't know if anybody other does this, but I'll look at something on Amazon. And then two weeks later, I'm looking at it on, it, on Amazon again. And then I'm looking at it on again two weeks later. I should have just bought the dang thing 
two months ago. And I don't know why I don't already have it because I know I have the money to buy it. I can get it. I know I need it or want it. It's so I've been more about that and it's really paying off, especially in the pandemic when we're starting to see things getting in short supply. Um, I think December, January just bought everything. You know, we know we needed this. I had a budget laid out. We just bought everything. And now I have people calling me and I had to go yell at a John Deere dealer because they were, somebody bought a planner in September and they didn't order a monitor for it. So until March. Yeah. <laughs> I saw your tweet about that. Yep. I, I think um, and that's such a, that's a hard thing I found to write about is how to encourage people to make sure they're being as proactive as they really need to be. And, and that goes for anything, right? Whether it's machinery or inputs or overall how they're managing their business. It's hard to, it's hard to encourage people to do that. And then you come up with these incredibly vulnerable positions that sometimes are by no fault of anybody, you know, and it's just, what do you do? I have people like that with green merchandising. Uh, we, we used to have a green merchandiser. It seems like green merchandisers, and this is no knock to the ones that are going to listen because I know Angie and a few other people will. Um, no knock to them, but most of the grain merchandisers I've worked with in ag retail, where we have retail locations like that, they're really good at talking people out of buying or selling corn to them. Um, so I used to have a lot of customers would call and they, they had a feeling that maybe they should be selling. They'll ask questions, they get talked out of it. They don't sell, the price goes up or it goes down, whatever it happens, they get upset. I told a lot of guys, if you have that thought where you're calling and you feel like they talk you out of it, I said, at least sell half, you know, sell half of what you intended to sell. And if it goes up, you got half to sell. If it goes down, at least you sold something. Um, and I, I've kind of gotten a lot of guys on that mindset as far as grain marketing and merchandising goes. But when we start talking about equipment, I still have those traditional guys where I have the guys that are planners and then I have the guys that are reactors. And my reactors right now are calling for random stuff. And I guarantee you two of those people that called me either looking for planner parts or some kind of precision farming thing. Uh, because I apparently know everybody and if they can't find it on their own, I'm, I'm supposed to be pulling some miracles out of my butt pretty much today, but I'm not a miracle worker all the time, but I try to be at least sometimes. So, but that's, that's the thing. My reacting guys are reacting right now and they're finding that things are in short supply and other people that have planned for it are actually doing really well and everything's there and they're, they're going just about business as usual. So. Did you get that monitor sorted out or are we still waiting? We'll see. <laughs> so I, what, it was funny to listen to the dealer pit, the, uh, the precision farming side of their dealership. They were, they're both blaming each other. And I said, well, I know what you guys did. You ordered this monitor back in December, whatever you did. It came in, you had people coming in with checks wanting to buy a 4640 John Deere display. And you said, well, we can still order them. We're just going to wait until they don't need it until March or April or whatever. And we'll just order it then. And they kept ordering and ordering and ordering. And eventually one day in March here, they got shut off. And John Deere says, we're out of chips. We're putting them in new tractors. So unless you get an 8R series, you're not getting a 4640 display. And so 
every single person that had pre-ordered equipment from them that needs those displays are now short. And it's not just this one specific farm. It's every single person who had a new planner, they didn't have the monitor for it. So yeah, they screwed up and now they're getting caught with it. They called John Deere. John Deere is making a priority for people who had planners on order after a, or before a certain point, um, which is luckily this guy was on that list. Supposedly it got shipped yesterday. I was supposed to get a text message with the tracking information uh, so that I could track it from the precision farming guy. It has been almost mm, 18 hours and I still don't have that text message yet. And it's supposed to be getting delivered tomorrow and I don't have the tracking number. So they're still a little skeptical, even though it had a tracking number assigned to it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's just, it, it's one of those things where they couldn't turn down the money. They just kept selling and selling stuff. And here we sit where you got five people in our area that have planters with no monitor. And it's, it's different than what it used to be where you had a manual control box and you can unfold and fold the planter. Now you have to have the monitor to do that. So there's guys that can't even hook and unhook their planner right now. <laughs> it's um, a lesson I learned, gosh, I think it was either my first or second year in organizing equipment for our test plots was like everything kind of starts to fall into place. That's actually going to fall into place by St. Patrick's day. Mm -hmm. So St. Patrick's day for whatever reason is kind of like, no matter what this weather is doing, <laughs> like if you don't, you know, the dominoes really start to fall on March 17th. Um, and that story there kind of shows too, like it's just things come to fruition at that magic date. Well, and I, I don't think equipment dealers have ever had to deal with something like this. Well, he asked me, uh, the actual salesperson, he goes, I, I said, I've known about this since December. Why didn't you guys prepare for this? Well, how did you know about it in December? I said, my dealer that I bought my truck from in September, called me in December asking me if I was willing to trade it in on a new truck. And they were going to give me like $5,000 more for my trade on that truck that I just put 10,000 miles on to get a new truck. But I would have to wait a couple months. But since I have another truck, then I wouldn't have to be out of truck. And they had people looking for used trucks. They couldn't get them. And I said, I've known about this since December. How did you guys not know about this? Well, how did you know about it? It's like, they, they've probably never had gotten caught doing this because they've never had this issue before. Seed sales, on the other hand, I've been caught doing that, you know, in the first year I was there, right? You know, we keep selling and selling and then eventually you're like, oh crap, I can't get any more of this hybrid or whatever it is. And then you have to kind of pick and choose who gets it. And yeah, I don't do that anymore. Seed at the co-op? Yeah, I've been selling seeds since 2008, seven, something like that. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if seed was one of your products when you were there. I knew you did fertility and that kind of thing. I just oh, yeah. Well, I never really, so I never brag much about seed on, on Twitter because it's kind of like posting pictures of your yield monitor. You're a total a-hole if you do that. So, I mean, so that's why I have a personal page on Twitter and a business page. The business I post, you know, hybrid information, plot data, whatever. Uh, my personal page, I'm not going to sit there and be like 9772 Pioneer if you're not planning it in Southeast Wisconsin, you're losing money, um, even though that is true, but I'm not going to post it on Twitter. So for your point of view, I mean, I'm asking for Kyle's opinion here. Why don't retailers like selling seed? 
because it is kind of a universal theme that I pick up on. I think they like selling seed. I I, I love selling seed, um, but then at the same time, seed sales is it's weird. Uh, you know, you have guys that leave you because of no specific reasons. You have people that you know don't want you to win. If you put a side by side on their farm, they really hope you lose. And I have people that are like, well, no, they don't. They want you to win because they want to know that they were, you know, there's something maybe better. I was like, no, they don't. They want me to lose because if, if I win, that means the last 10 years of them buying seed from somebody else, they lost money. You know, guys don't, they do that math. You know, there's not a farmer in the world that doesn't sell corn at $4. And when it hits four fifty, it says, well, you know, I did all right. They go, holy crap, I could have sold my corn for 50 cents more a bushel. You know, I sell 200,000 bushels of corn. That's $100,000. What the heck am I? I lost $100,000. That's the math that people do in, in agriculture. And I like selling seed because I like, you know, having that touch. I like knowing what it's going to do. And to me, it's more of my science mindset and the way I, I approach things. I like to analyze and look through things and you know, maybe this hybrid doesn't work in this spot and it works in another spot. To me, that's part of my analytical nature. But I think a lot of guys just look at it as, um, you know, it's, it's like nobody likes selling fertilizer. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's one person that gets really excited every year that they get to sell potash. <laughs> I should I should clarify, I because if a couple of my retailer friends listen to this, they're going to call me and be like, Marty, you know I love selling seed. So I there are- You lead with seed, what the heck? There, right, well, there's champions for every product, <laughs> feel, like at every retail location, right? Just like you like social media, right? Yep. And you always champion that no matter what role and what company you're working for. I think there are those products that just click with people more. I know guys who love selling potash. I think I'd like to meet them. <laughs> um, no, I, I think for a lot of, you know, if I'm a retailer and, you know, I'm the retail insider now, um, seed doesn't make a ton of money for retail. It really doesn't. I mean, I think our average revenue on a price of or a bag of corn was like $25 or $30 a bag. Uh, our revenue on a, a bag of soybeans might be five bucks. Uh, so your your return is maybe not even 10% or right at 10%. You have way more profitable things that we sell. Chemicals are usually the most profitable. And then you start talking about micros and, and other things. But when you sell seed for them, it's the same thing reason that they do soil sampling. If they do the soil sampling or they sell you seed, more often than not, you're going to buy fertilizer or you're going to buy the the chemicals from them. Um, so for most retailers, seed is that gateway drug pretty much to get on a farm. But I, I mean, that's, that's the thing I, I enjoy about being a farmer dealer pretty much is that I can, I don't have to worry about trying to get on somebody's farm to sell them fertilizer. And for me, it, it's purely because I want to help them be a better farmer and we want to be, it's more of a, I don't know. I like it a lot better than what I did when I sold retail seed. So. So how, in your words, do you say that folks such as yourself, independent folks, how do they work within traditional ag retail? How do they, or how do they work with, I should say, how do they work with traditional ag retail? So I, I, as much as I am the retail insider, I don't want to be upsetting that retail world either. Um, I mean, we all have to work together. The nicest thing for me being independent was all those guys that 
we thought were a-holes uh, at, at other companies I worked with or sold against. Um, all those guys turn out to be really nice guys that have their own different opinions. And um, now that I'm independent, I can call up a guy at a, a different co-op that I used to sell against that I'd never met. Find out he's a really nice guy and we have a lot of the same business now and we're we're taking plots off together and it's um it's fun to show up to a plot with four or five different c companies and they're all retailers and there's one or two independent guys like me and the retailers one is one on one side and the other is on the other side and i'm going back and forth and checking stuff and we're in charge of the plot because they don't want to talk to each other <laughs> so i i think it's given me a, a little different perspective um it's definitely opened up my network um it's made it a lot easier for me to i'm not here to bash retailers and i don't ever want to be that guy um I, they do some things that i know why they do it and that, that's pretty much what i tell farmers i'm like they're they're doing this because you know this has a, a program this year this is better for them you know i know that this might not be as good for their bottom line but if they want to sell you chemicals this is the way we're going to go and it's not been a bad relationship. We just, I think a lot of people are afraid to make that phone call or, or, or do that. I, I thought it was weird when somebody walked across uh, the showroom floor or like a, an expo floor to go talk to another company because we had something we were kind of fighting about trying to figure out what was going on. And he just walked right. He goes, I'm just going to go talk to him. That was weird to me back then. And now it's like, I, I'd, I'd be that guy. I just ping around and that was who I was in high school. I was never, I wasn't a jock and I wasn't a nerd. And well, I was kind of a nerd, but um, I just hung out with everybody. It, it really didn't have a huge group of friends, you know, that I spent all my time with. I just hung out with everybody. And um, that's where I've been more, more comfortable. And it's actually been kind of nice to be, I really don't hate anybody anymore. <laughs> I just like some people maybe, but I don't, you know, that. you've carried, I mean, Kyle, so you've carried that all the way into your Twitter verse. You realize that, right? You just want to hang out with everybody. You want to be nice to everybody. And I would add, I think it's cool that it's easy to reach out to people, right? It's easy to yeah. keep people and it's easy to reach out to them. Yeah. And I, I mean, so I posted a video about, well, I, I went on Zoloft uh, about six months ago for anxiety dealt with it my entire life. Um, I wasn't depressed. It was just anxiety. And uh, there, there's a mental stigma or there's a stigma in agriculture about that. If you're on medication, you're crazy, right? I mean, it, you shouldn't, you couldn't handle the stress or the, the pressure. And, you know, my, my entire family's on medication. That's pretty much the way we are. We're all wired that way. That's just, it's hereditary. Um, I've had a lot of people direct message me about that video and either they didn't say anything or they wanted somebody to talk to or three years ago they were sitting in their shop contemplating something and you know i've dealt with directly with somebody that was in that situation um but it's it's nice to have the conversation and for me if i can say that i had an issue and i'm on medication and you can stigmatize me all you want i really don't care you know, if I can help one more person that is sitting in their barn wondering about whether they're, they should be here or not, um, to me, that's more important than worrying about if guys are going to stigmatize me because of 
something that is perfectly normal that I dealt with a year ago. So yeah, good for you. Well, that, you know, again, it's, um, it's powerful to make connections. It's powerful to find common ground with people. Mm-hmm. It's powerful to talk about your own experiences in life, right? And what makes you who you are. And frankly, Kyle, it's inspiring that you're, you are working to be the best version of yourself. And that is amazing. Yep. Well, and I mean, for me, I used to be so concerned with how people thought about me. I mean, I, I couldn't leave the house without, you know, making sure I was like, everything was perfect. I, I had customers who used to call me Mr. FS because I had my logos exactly right. And I had everything just perfect. And my truck was always clean, which it still is because I'm a need freak. But um, you read that employee handbook. <laughs> you were the handbook. Pretty much. And, uh, you know, but it wasn't. I was proud to work for that company. I really love working for FS and I had no love lost. There's, there's some love lost between them and me, but we won't go into that. But um, I, I love working for that company and that's why I represented myself that way. But, you know, I, I think I, I did a podcast episode recently about your story and sometimes in other people's story, no matter how good of a person you are, you're the a-hole in somebody else's story. And that is pretty much the way I've, I've navigated my life recently before I used to be like, how can I get a, not be the a-hole in that person's story? I, I really like uh, Leslie nope that I'd have to pull that person away and try to figure out how to be their best friend. Um, but to me now, it's just like, I really don't care. And like, if you don't like me, that's your problem. And the best thing is, is when you're that person where you can just realize that some people just aren't going to like you and you just move on, that ticks them off even more, <laughs> apparently. I have somebody who is like upset with me about something uh, recently. I haven't talked to them about it. I haven't talked to anybody about it. I know they're upset. Uh, I've been told about it. And they've been saying things about me behind my back, which is fine. I really don't care. And uh, I said, well, that's great. Hope they have fun. I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) Moving on. And that ticked them off even more. So. No, it's, it's um, living authentically is not necessarily the easiest thing, right? It's super empowering because then you realize there's no other way to be right. And you, (laughs) I always have to reset my compass though, right? Like who am I letting live in my head? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for you guys, it'd be like worrying about what corn and soybean digest is doing all the time. And man, that magazine doesn't exist anymore. I don't have to worry. They don't. Oh no. They have a website. (laughs) Do they have a Facebook page? I don't know. Probably (laughs) good people. Yeah. I've, Oh, let's say, okay. Agriview or Iowa farmer today or whatever, but um, that was always, I'm a super, I will be the first to admit I am a super competitive person. (laughs) That, but if you're not focusing on you and what you're doing, you're giving somebody else that power, right? And it's much more empowering to know what your lane is and to stay in your lane and do what you do and do what you're good at or you're trying to be good at. Yeah. I So you deal with retailers a lot more than maybe even I do or on a, a bigger scope. Well, but. deal with them has a <laughs> negative connotation. I get to talk with and network with a very diverse group of people, including ag <laughs> which I will share 
when I started working in this space and working with ag retail and independent crop consultants and farm managers, I kind of lump them all together as trusted advisors, right? Mm -hmm. But I really have enjoyed working in this space because they are very passionate about what they're doing, very qualified. And when you, you know, I get to talk with people who at least in, in my analysis have some leading views or leading positions and are doing really cool things. And like you, if you, if you unlock the key to, I don't know, let's talk about one of our previous conversations, <laughs> bro, pick a micro of your choice, zinc, I don't care. If you unlock the key to zinc and you've got a cool new tool about zinc, you're then taking that to 12 farmers, if not more, right? And saying, guys, I got it. Yep. Like that's really cool to work with those kinds of people that are the maximizers and multipliers. Yes, I'm sorry. I derailed about to say something. No, and I, I just think when I worked in retail, and I know there's a lot of retailers that do this, um, and I've been in sales meetings where you're you're talking about, uh, let's say, when I was selling for DeKalb, DeKalb was like, you see what Pioneer's doing? We got to do the same thing. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, they're doing this. And I'm like, you do you. Don't worry about what they're doing. Um, when climate came out, climate people were all worried about what, uh, Pioneer was doing within circuit back then. And then the in circuit people were all worried about what was going on with climate. We got to be more like climate. And then climate's got to be like, we got to be more like in circa. And there, there's lanes where you want to be. I, I don't want to be the same as everybody. I don't want to worry about what they're doing. Who cares what they're doing? You're just doing what you're doing. Um, it's taken me a long time to get that way. I used to be that. Like you worry about everybody's pot, price on potash. And I could be 10 or $15 a ton more because I provided more service than somebody else. I really didn't care what the price of potash was then because I just did my thing. And that's why I got paid what I did. And I get paid less now, which really kind of sucks, but, <laughs> but I don't well, have to report to anybody and I don't have a boss anymore. So pros, cons, pros, <laughs> cons. But I think, I think you can still be super competitive and still live authentically, right? And I think there's a balance, but you've always got to keep your eye on the competition. At the same time, you don't have to let them set your course of direction. Yeah, and I was always, I had a boss that would just call me and every day he was always worried about what somebody else was doing. And we, we had to stop everything that we had planned on doing and make us really unproductive. And we have to take care of something that he determined was urgent. And almost all those people have quit that company now and he's no longer a boss anymore. He's been demoted down to a salesperson again, but yeah, it just, when those things came about, it was just like, I can't even work with this guy. He's just way too nervous. Um, and that was me. I, I just, for me being a manager, um, I actually ran into somebody that I didn't even, honestly, I didn't recognize this guy. I haven't worked with him in 10 years. Um, he's an electrician now and he's putting in, uh, our seed treater for us. And he's like, Hey, how's it going, Kyle? I'm like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> but he had a, he had very, somehow I had a very profound impact on his life because he was talking about all the things I did for him and me buying lunch for them a few times. And he goes, Oh yeah, you always had an energy drink in your cooler. I could borrow or take. And I was like, yeah, I remember doing that, but I don't remember giving them to you. <laughs> sure. Um, it's a lot of those little things, I guess I've had effect on people's lives and it's weird to think about, you know, I would probably be really good at management, but I wouldn't be really good at sitting in an office all day. Um, I'd want to be out with people and 
Um, I've had opportunities to be in management and retail and I turned them all down. And one time I did it for a really stupid reason. I told my boss, I don't want to be, have anybody else determine my success. And that was the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life because I had eight people working for me that delivered stuff and sprayed stuff for me. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm already doing that. Why the heck would I tell them that? But, um, yeah, I could be higher up in a company somewhere and I don't know. I just like doing what I'm doing. So no, good for you. Good for you. You gotta again, you've got to figure out your strengths, what gives you energy and how you want to spend time. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So I have, I have another question because I know, I think you're going to have an answer to this because you're kind of a, a techie guy, right? Oh, Do no. you have a favorite gadget? Do I have a favorite gadget? A new one. Like the one that you bought in the last six months. Um, I haven't even flown my new DJI Mavic Mini 2 or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So I haven't driven or flown that. Yeah. How many drones have you owned now? Uh, I started out with a Parrot AR, then I had a Phantom 2, Phantom 4 Pro. Yeah. I'm on like five or six now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a favorite gadget right now. I put a new stereo on my truck and it has Bluetooth in the one truck. So that's kind of a nice, but that's an um, upgrade. No, I don't know. Um, I mean, I got a new iPad last fall. Uh, I've never been one to upgrade equipment um, to like the newest versions, except for the last few years. So we've been doing like the computer we're on now is this is a $5,000 computer. And I've always bought like a $1,700, $1,500 computer. So this is way too fast for me. Um, and my iPad, I bought a brand new iPad uh, Pro 11 inch uh, version, like 2.0 or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Uh, that thing is insane. And the, I bought an Apple Pencil. Okay, my favorite thing lately is an Apple Pencil. That, that's been kind of cool. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I, I'm terrible at typing on an iPad. Uh, so I can actually write out notes and then right. tap on them and turn them into text. It's been awesome. That's cool. Yeah. The, I, Apple Pencil is my favorite thing in the last six months. That's so I get to fly my new drone. So, <laughs> When are you taking it out? Um, I charged them up yesterday. I think I posted that on Twitter. I, I got everything out. Uh, I was charging up GoPros. Everything's all charged now. But um, yeah. at some point, I got to fly it. I can't fly it at my house because I'm in a no-fly zone. So we're on the airport approach for Waukesha County Airport. Um, so I have to do it at the farm or anything like that. And this is never really, I don't know. I don't have a feeling to do it yet. We'll see what happens in the next week or so. That's why I was charging them up. So eventually we're gonna have to start doing stand counts with my phantom and that's going to be crazy again this year. So yeah, I hate training people on drones, but there's people that are really good with it. And then there are people that they, they crash it so many times it's not even funny. And then they wonder, you know, if somebody asked me, the first thing they asked me about a drone is how do you find it when you lose it? I'm like, you probably shouldn't know one. <laughs> I've never crashed one. That's a qualifying question. <laughs> yeah. It's not right? the first In the decision thing. tree, should you own a drone? What's <laughs> question? How do you find it when you crash it? No. <laughs> yeah. Be like saying, you know, what happens when you're flying and, you know, you run out of fuel and a Cessna, what do you do? 
Like that's right. the first question you ask somebody. Like, right. you're gonna forget to check the fuel tank before you leave, like your wife does. Right. So, can I share my favorite new gadget? Sure. Okay, I think we talked about this because we're both dog lovers, and we're one of those cliche families that got a dog last spring during quarantine, and we got a hound mix, and he is a delightful mess. Okay. He is all hound dog. He gets pretty much, I mean, I have a deer leg bone on my front porch right now. I mean, he's got a sniffer for days. Okay. And we live on some acreage, so he's got plenty of room to run, but we would prefer him to stay on our property. So we got what's called a halo collar. So we were able to draw on the app, a GPS fence around our property and then he's got a collar that signals him when he's approaching that border. You're not showing this video, are you? No, no. So look, those little exclamation points, yeah. that are, those are his escape spots. And so it dings him and tells him to come back home. And we've only had it for a week now. Changed my life, Kyle. <laughs> I can see where he is. It's wonderful. I mean, he's sleeping right here on a bed in my office, but... I saw this technology in concept at an ag tech event in San Francisco three or four years ago, and they were using it on goats. <laughs> and so when we got our dog and he was so hound dog, <laughs> I'm like, they have this technology. They use it on goats. And my husband's looking at me and I'm like, we'll find it. We'll find it. And so this is a pet version, but um, love it. Changed our life. Changed my life. Yeah, I, I think you get a dog, it kind of changes your life anyway. I mean, we've had, oh, what Greyhound are we on now? Two, three, four, five, fifth one. So it's been, it's been kind of crazy having Greyhounds all the time. Now we have three, which is even crazy within itself. I've got yeah. one that does 30, 40 mile an hour in our house. So your bucket is full. Yeah, pretty much. I've gotten really, you know, when I was, after we first got married, I'm like, I really don't want kids because, you know, I wanted kids that when we first got married, but it eventually it was like, I don't want my house to be a mess. And yeah, there's dog toys in my office right now. I'm sure there's dog toys all over the first floor and the second floor and blankets and things are thrown all about. And we pick it up and five minutes later, it's all right back to where it was. So I've gotten to the point where it's like, all right, I'm okay with that, but I don't really want kids anymore. <laughs> No, we, we've just really been focused. I have a lot of customers like, oh, kids will change your life. And I'm like, yeah, I just really focused on my career and it's been fine. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I have neighbors that are like that too. And um, I, don't know, I really gets to live their life. Yeah. Right? I, mean, oh, I yeah. say all the time, there is, um, there is no cookie cutter to this life. And if you think there is, get ready for God, God's curveball. <laughs> you know, um, you, what do I want to say? I would just share that there are, and I can, I can name the moments in my life where I gained a lot of empathy for other people and their lives, um, the things that they've encountered, the choices that they've made, the choices that they haven't been able to make, right? And I just think, empathy can go a long way in this world and, and a whole lot less more, a whole lot less judgment. 
there was a guy. Um, so when we were looking for that 4640 display yesterday, there was a guy on Precision Classifieds looking for a Starfire 6000 receiver. And there was you are bringing guy. up so many hot buttons. Just for the record, <laughs> I have not brought up a single hot button. You brought up all the hot buttons. There's this guy looking for a Starfire 6000. And then there's this guy that commented on it. He's like, I just love when all these John Deere guys are just, you know, light, wait until the last minute to get stuff. And I'm just like, uh, that's not really what's going on. You know, you just can't find things like, you know, maybe they ordered them like we did in September and they're not getting it. Um, but then he's just like, ah, oh, it's so great. I love it when they're, they're, bunch of losers and just going on and on and i really wanted to comment on it you know yeah you can laugh at people that are doing this but i really hope you don't have an alternator go out on your tractor and you got to wait three weeks to find it and that's your planter tractor and you don't need it or you need to have it and it's the middle of spring it's like why would you wish ill will on people you know i just don't understand well, that didn't we learn our lesson on the playground about calling people a loser it's kind of a no-win game what school you went to. I went to rural Indiana. We beat the crap out of each other all the time. <laughs> school of hard knocks. No, at least I guess I was a nerd in school. So maybe that's just me that was getting the crap beat out of them. Well, there you go. Kyle, have we covered everything you wanted to cover? Every time I said, okay, Kyle, what are you going to ask me? What are you going to ask me? You left it very broad. I yeah. like interview style. Yeah, no, I mean, if I'm doing a direct topic for me, I have an exact idea of what I want to talk about. I don't even have to write it down. I just turn the thing on and I hit Audacity's cool. open and I hit record. Um, and every single one of those is one take pretty much, except for the intro sometimes. But um no, I really don't. When I do these kind of interviews, I don't want to have any kind of script. I don't want to have, you know, I honestly, we've talked what handful of times, Margie. And outside of that, I don't know anything about you other than now, apparently you have this crazy dog that you have to deal with, but <laughs> he's a good boy. He's just, Oh, it's, we got one of those. He's young. It'll he's get young. better. He just, he was born on president's day. So he just turned a year old and he's a good boy. It's just, you know, I'm like you. I kind of like a little bit of control. I kind of like things to be clean and neat. And he has other plans for that. <laughs> I just got used to it. We had um, the last Greyhound we adopted. The lady goes, she's just not right for you. You guys will never be able to handle her energy. So we get her. And then like first week, we're just like, what did we do? And as she's been here for so long, what, two years now, I'm so used to her running around when we got this one. He's even crazier than she is. And they chase each other through a house. If you've never been around a Greyhound that can do 45 miles an hour in three strides, my kitchen's 30 feet long and they can do three strides in about 30 feet. So yeah, they get up to about 30, 40 mile an hour before they slam on the brakes into my dining room table. But oh yeah, it's it's interesting to have dogs going flying through your kitchen. Uh, but no, it's uh, I, I keep these pretty broad. I, I don't. Okay. I didn't have any kind of subjects I wanted to go through. Well, uh, I I appreciate you wanting to have me on, so thank you. Yeah. Um, hope your listeners have found our conversation interesting. Um, I I figured you were going to cut me off at like 15 minutes. So I was just like, I'll let her naturally end it when she wants to end it. So <laughs> why did you think that? <laughs> Cause that's what yours is. You're like 15 minutes. 
<laughs> I really don't care. I mean, it. I can upload a three-hour podcast. I really don't care. It doesn't matter to me. If somebody listens to it, that's great. But usually my best listens podcasts are these when I do an hour Thanks. plus. Okay, so what's your favorite podcast to listen to right now? Um, I could be ag related or not. I mean, whatever you listen to. I got turned on to the the fighter pilot podcast by uh, Brian Scott um, a couple of years ago. So the farmer's life guy, he turned me on to a, a jet fighter one. In a former life, I was in the Air Force, uh, delayed enlistment, and then they changed some deals on me, and I didn't end up going to the Air Force. Uh, okay. Not because I was afraid I was going to be in. Uh, I had friends who were like. Uh, you chickened out. I'm like, I was going to be in air traffic control in the Air Force. I was like, I'd be in Saudi Arabia while you guys are in Iraq. I'm not going to be in Iraq. So I didn't really care. It wasn't that. Um, so I was really big into military history. And that's actually my other thing was I was going to be a secondary ed. I was a secondary ed major for two years in college uh, for social studies. So that's my big thing. Um, a lot of my so podcasts I listen to are like Damian Mason. My, yeah. my guilty pleasure is girls talk ag <laughs> for whatever reason. I always listen to those guys. I, I, Angie and I get along really well. I've done an interview podcast with her. Um, and that, that worked out really well. I mean, I was on a podcast or not a podcast, but, uh, a weekly conference call I do with Angie and a bunch of other people yesterday you saw that picture of that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, girls talk ag, I listen to, um, I actually listen to Ag PhD on podcasts when I'm mowing the yard because I have nothing better to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a horse of peace. Um, I don't have enough time to listen to it. I, I usually I'm, I'm on like TikTok more than I'm on podcasts now. Are you? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's those little snippets. I hate Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat is too short. <laughs> so TikTok's more my speed, but. We have um, a dear person in our life who is a surrogate grandfather to our son. Um, both of our dads have passed. So really important role in sure. our lives and our son's life. And he loves estate sales. <laughs> so he took my husband and our son to an estate sale in St. Louis, not that long ago. And this person must've worked for McDonnell Douglas or must've worked for one of the manufacturers that was here in St. Louis because they brought home all kinds of aircraft books. Okay. I'm like, fine. <laughs> Last thing we have so many books, which is wonderful because I love reading, but we have a lot of books. So the other day, our little five and a half year old pulls out a helicopter book and I'm like, absolutely, bud, let's dive into it. Kyle, it's really cool. It's all about Apache helicopters and it was all about their development and it's got all, the, I mean, like I'd run and go get it and show it to you because it's a really cool book and it's got all these cutaways and schematics of what makes the Apache work. And I'm like, okay, y'all got a good one. We, uh. So my wife and I have done this thing where um, people are buying a lot of books that we think are, we enjoy, or we think are important. Um, she wanted to buy a, a, a set of encyclopedias. So we have this world book encyclopedia downstairs. What year? Uh, that would be like 2007, I think it is. It was one of the last years they made it. And it's got like a picture that it makes out with the books, but she just wanted a set and it's a library set. They sold this library set of encyclopedias because no one wants to check them out anymore. So we have a whole set of encyclopedias downstairs. Um, 
and for me, I like military and farming history stuff. Um, so I've got some older farming books. Um, the big thing I've got recently has been the Jane's Defense books. I don't know if you ever heard of Jane's Defense Technologies. So Jane's back in the day, if you ever watch Hunt for Red October, if you watch Hunt for Red October, yeah. um, I have the same book that they have on the submarines. Basically, it's before you had the internet, you had to have a book that had all the, all the other countries' ships and what they were and how much how many they had. So I have their fighting ships, um, as an aircraft, all the world's aircraft. So basically, everybody's a list of everybody's planes and how many they have and what country has them and what insignia they have on them. And I have all those books. They're like, I don't know, I think I paid 15 bucks for these things that used to be like two, $300 back in the day. I love a good wormhole. So thank you. Venture <laughs> down this today. It will be wonderful. Yeah, that's, I, I love preserving stuff. I mean, that's my thing. I love preserving history and stuff that it, it's going to be things that are just going to get tossed because no one wants to collect a 50 pound book that's, you know, like right. that thick full of all the world's aircraft anymore and they're all outdated so yeah but it's cool to have that snapshot right i mean you can't yeah. i mean this is so cliche but you cannot know where you're going unless you know where you've been yep yeah i think people don't really know much about history so <laughs> well we'll end it <laughs> we're both going down rabbit holes now <laughs> all right what's going to be our signature sign off Oh, what do I always say? I'll catch you next time or hope you had fun. Pretty much. I don't know. I was always you know, terrible well, at this. <laughs> friend, thank you for having yep. me on. Thank you for this conversation. I've always enjoyed talking with you. I've always learned something talking to you. And Kyle, you still always take my calls and my texts. So thank you. Yeah, sometimes I don't right away, but sometimes you call me back. No, and well, I love we were slippery fish to get this old and we still have to schedule you on the scoop podcast, but we'll get that done. Yeah. Let me know. I mean, we'll be doing that probably next week and this probably won't yep. go out until next week anyway. So we'll probably be Perfect. putting them on about the same time. So I like it. We'll cross promote. We'll retweet each other. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Margie. Thank you, Kyle. All right. We'll see you later. Take care.